Hi, and welcome to the latest episode of the Good Works Podcast. Today, Sarah and I are going to talk all about motherhood and how that impacts our work. And as always, please stick with us until the end when we'll tell you what we're looking forward to. Hi, Sarah. Hey, Randy. (laughs) So another month and another long distance podcast recording. I know. I feel like the last time we uh, did the podcast, we were hoping by now we'd be able to be in person, but not so much. Not so much. And uh, with all the guidelines coming out and with everything happening, it looks like we might be doing it this way until like January, huh? Oh, yeah. No. Well, <laughs> but we're learning, learning new skills. I have a brand new headset. That's kind of exciting. That is swanky. <laughs> <laughs> so today we're going to have a conversation about motherhood. And before we dive into it, I just wanted to introduce this to our listeners with just a few ground rules because it can be a hot topic. Um, so one, I wanted to say we both have people women in our lives who are so close to us that are um, happily and intentionally child-free and their lives are fantastic. So nothing about this conversation is meant to imply that motherhood is the only or the better choice for people to make um, as they go through their life. And the other thing is, similarly, we both have people in our lives that are stay-at-home moms and we applaud and love that and you know, lean on each other and work with each other all day, all the time. So again, as we're going to talk about our lives um, and motherhood and how it impacts our work here, this is not in any way to imply that there's anything wrong with staying home or anything wrong with not staying home. This is just two people who work really close together who happen to be mothers having a conversation. Anything to add to the ground rules? No, I think that's perfect. Okay. Um, Yeah, I didn't want anyone tuning in to feel turned off before we even got started. So, Sarah, today we're going to chat. Interestingly, there's so much literature out there. There's so much conversation about uh, working from home and balancing work and parenthood right now because of, you know, the global pandemic that we're all living through. Um, And I feel like when I read it, so much of what I see is about how to be able to keep working while you're parenting. But I find, um, and I wanted to flip that around, so much of my work is actually informed by and impacted by the fact that I am a mother. Um, it's not as much that I have to somehow protect the roles from each other, quite the opposite. I think I make a much better Community Foundation president because of the way I bring motherhood into the into the room. And I just wanted to talk to you um, because you're also a mom. And I wanted to get some insight from you. How do you think being a mother impacts the work you do as a grant maker? Well, so it's one of those hats that you can never take off, right? So, I mean, when you leave your house after, you know, dropping your kid off at school or, you know, whatever you happen to do with them at that time and then go into the office, I mean, you don't stop being a mom. Um, so I really think for me, um, I look at everything that we do at the foundation through that lens, um, whether that's, you know, the, the, the grant applications that I read, um, you know, I just, I always have that mom lens as I'm reading it. Would this be okay for my kid? Would I do this for my kid? Would, you know, um, 
you know, I may not be in particular situations where, you know, we need to access the backpack program. Um, but I am thankful that that is an option for families, for mothers who are wanting to be able to put food on the table. So it's something that's, you know, you just, you just don't take that's, that's just part of who we are as, as grit makers, as moms is, is that's our everyday. Yeah, it really is. Um, I find very much what you said. When I look at grants or when I look at opportunities in the community, I do a lot of thinking, would this be something I would want for my own daughter? And if the answer is yes, I know I'm onto something. If I ever look at something and think, oof, I wouldn't feel comfortable with my kid being part of that, that is a red flag. Right. Um, there's no double standard. Right. Community right. children are our children. All moms, you know, um, we, we see the world through this idea that kids need us. So I do find myself having a lot of empathy for families because I experience family life mm-hmm. um, and exposure then. I get exposed through my motherhood to so many different kinds of programs and families. Uh, my daughter has a really diverse group of friends. And so, so often when I'm looking at grants, I can usually find a linkage through her social no- network mm-hmm. into the work being done by the program. Right. Exactly. And uh, I think you had said it um, when I had first started the foundation. I was very pregnant for Aiden at the time. I remember those days. And you had, um, you know, SRPR, the School Readiness Project had just sort of kicked off. And I remember you saying that it was like Sydney was around that age, you know, school readiness Mm -hmm. age. And so you were deeply ingrained in school readiness because it's so important to make sure kids are ready for kindergarten, but also because Sydney, you know, that's what your focus at home was too. Mm-hmm. Um, so much making sure Sid was being read to and, um, you know, getting all the things that she needed to get to, to, you know, go forward with development. And then as she grew up, you know, it was sort of the next thing at home, she was dealing with this issue. And so then at work, that also became very important. Um, so we move along in motherhood similarly as we move along in the foundation and grant making world too. Yes, I remember when Aiden was born and you were a participant in the nurse home visitation yeah, program. Exactly. And how exciting that was when your nurse home visitor would come and we'd then get to talk about it at work from the point of view of how was it? How was the program? How'd it go? Um, yeah, it was, I think I was probably the most eager like, participant in school readiness history. I'm like, yes, sign me up. I want yeah. the nurses to come like twice a week. Exactly. <laughs> all the help. Give me all the help. <laughs> and you're absolutely right. From my experience, again, as one person, um, what I get to do is continue to learn and add to my arsenal of information. So right now, childcare, what, what are we going to do with kids who are learning from home for three days a week during the fall uh, to stay safe from COVID, a lot of families are thinking, how are we going to handle that? Well, I'm able to borrow from my own experience as a person who, you know, utilized childcare services when my own daughter was very young and add to the professional experience of looking at childcare systems over the past decade plus. Um, 
I, I mean, I think I would be able to do that as a professional, even if I hadn't had a daughter, but I actually got to experience childcare firsthand. And I've been in and out of so many programs, um, between picking up my own daughter from where she went to childcare, but I have lots of friends with kids and occasionally I'm around when they pick up their kid or I'm sent to pick up a kid. Um, so when we're talking about these programs and the different styles of childcare, be it center-based or family daycare, I'm not just looking at it as something academic. It's something I really do understand, and you as well. Right, right. I think this, um, it feeds into the professional worrier that I am. <laughs> mm-hmm. So like, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm just a worrier at home and just making sure that Aiden has what he needs and is doing what he has to do and, you know... It, and then at work, <laughs> I'm a professional worrier for our community, too, and making sure that people are connected and programs are connected with each other and collaborating and just sort of just making sure all of these things are working as they should. And if they're not, figuring out or connecting to the right people who can make sure that those gaps are filled. I think we might need to add that to your business card. That's Sarah a great idea. Professional worrier. <laughs> no worrier. That. that is so true. And so the energy you bring in such a good way, yeah. the positive version of worrying. What right. um, is something right now with Aiden as he's transitioning into, hey, listeners, middle school? Oh. 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 What is something top of mind for you in that connection between motherhood and and your role at work? So um, everything that uh, goes with having a seventh grader aside, (laughs) (laughs) um, all the, uh, yeah, all the crazy making stuff, you know, I'm, I've, I've talked about it with a few friends, like as, as awful and wonderful as middle school can be, I want to make sure he has that experience. Yes. Um, I want to make sure he has the experience of navigating relationships and sticky situations and um, um, going from class to class. I, I, yeah, I, I, have, I have this worry that he's going to miss out yeah. on that. Um, and so that's really um, difficult for me right now. And as a mom, for sure. And on the other side of it, being, you know, an advocate for our school district and an advocate for our teachers and our administration, I'm trying to kind of um, soothe that worry by really digging in and understanding how is this going to work for him. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, I'm able to ease my worries and ease any of his concerns that he has um, related to going back to school because it's I mean, it's such a difficult time. Yeah. Um, but how, yeah. how about you? What are you thinking about? So, um, so my daughter is entering her junior year of high school now. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> so I'm kind of surrounded, either actually surrounded or virtually surrounded right now by a lot of kind of 15 to 18 year olds mm-hmm. as her friend group has, you know, blossomed over the years. So there's this cadre of kids that, um, they all call me Randers. <laughs> you know, I get to hear often, hey, Randers. And then it's followed up by some kind of, you know, unbelievably astute and or hysterical observation about the world around us. 
I'm so fortunate to have a child, you know, an emerging young adult and her friends who are so smart, um, helping me navigate this crisis. I often ask them, what do you think? What do you see? What would you do in this situation? What do you need? right now to be okay, to feel safe. And they're old enough to be articulate about those answers. Mm. Um, I'm very grateful to them for that. And uh, I don't know where I would be without them, to be honest. In many ways, my support network includes this group of younger people as I'm navigating this uncharted territory. What's weird is, you know, here we are leading the way in some ways, you know, through from the ph- philanthropic point of view through a pandemic. And we don't have any experience in a pandemic. <laughs> so something about it that's a bit of a, um, if you will, a bit of an equalizer. My 42-year head start on earth right now um, doesn't mean much in a time that's unprecedented. So someone who's 15 or 16 with their fresh eyes and their Gen Z lens they might have some solutions that I don't see because I've got different blind spots. Mm-hmm. And where you were telling a story about, um, I know in the Corning Pana Post district that a lot of the students, the older, the upper class students, were saying things to school administrators um, about, you know, what to do with the younger kids. They were. How do we take care of the younger kids? How to make sure that, you know, certain things are working for them. Precisely. A group of the high school students met with uh, school administrators and students as young as fifth grade. So it was fifth through 12th graders. And the 11th and 12th graders were doing a lot of reflecting on their middle school time or their elementary school time and what mattered most, what they look back and pick up as the essential elements of that experience. And if those elements can be preserved, that the kids will be better mm-hmm. off. And you can only hear those those uh, points of view directly from them. Right. I can only guess what would be most important to someone in middle school, but someone who was in middle school very recently knows the answer. Um, and I'm really proud to be part of a community that's listening to young people and encouraging them to speak up. Um, I also appreciate that they're advocating for a moratorium on homework. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I love it. (laughs) They're saying, can we please have no homework during blended learning? Um, We'll see if that comes to be, but they're pushing hard for that. And um, why not? I would have done the exact same thing if I could rewind. (laughs) I think all the parents and and caregivers at home will appreciate that as well. I, I want no homework as well. I would love for the day to truly end at three-ish, um, depending on how the whole thing shakes out, and really let the kids of all ages transition into play and fun and other kinds of learning. Yeah. Um, Away from the screen. Right. Maybe it's playing an instrument. Maybe it's going for a walk or a bike ride or uh, any number of you know ways to be safe, but keep your brain engaged. And yeah, let's get them off the screen as quickly as we can um, because, boy, they're going to need some downtime. They are on the front end of this and experiencing something at a young age that we were never asked to experience. I think the adults in the world need to remember that. And that's another reason I'm really glad I'm a mother right now because it gives me a front row seat to how this pandemic is impacting younger people. And um, without them, I don't think I would have this, I don't think I would have the same perspective and I'm worried I would not be making uh, the same kinds of choices. So 
Exactly. Especially, yeah. So we're in the midst of our, our grant cycle that we just bumped up. And, you know, I'm reading the program requests and general operating support request, and still with that same, like, okay, this is a crazy world we're living in. And these organizations are working so hard to help our kids, help our vulnerable. Um, and, you know, I'm at home dealing with a lot of the same issues here and, and still thinking about, um, you know, how are uh, just the wonderful creative ways that our organizations are trying to take care of our kids amidst, you know, very uncertain times. Yeah. And, uh, boy, I'm proud of, I'm proud of them. Those organizations, maybe that's what we can talk about um, on next month's podcast, actually, is some of the responses. By then, this cycle will be in the books, and we'll be able to share some of the phenomenal things we're learning through the grant applications about how the Finger Lakes is responding to pandemic. Yep. Excellent. So, Sarah... With that behind us, uh, what are you looking forward to in the next few weeks here in the old Finger Lakes? Well, I can I think I can speak for all of the staff at the community foundation with this with this one um, thing, <laughs> and that is that it's our colleague Katie McConville's birthday coming up in August, August seventeenth. So if you haven't seen it on Facebook or um, did we, I think we posted on Instagram, but it was in our e-news as well. We have 30 different ways that the community can um, take part in celebrating Katie. Um, the 30 things are things that she loves and does like every single day. So um, I know that we've had some fun over the last couple of days um, kicking, kicking those things off for her. So yes, it's basically an opportunity for all of us to live like Katie, which oh is great way to live. Talk about a happy, healthy, loving person. And um, yeah, just bringing more Katie energy into my life makes it better in any way. Oh, for sure. Um, I tackled one of the harder ones today before we jumped in this to record. I ate a room temperature cheese stick. Oh, oh gosh. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not going to lie. I can kind of still taste it. <laughs> So um, I'm glad I knocked that one off early because she's such a weirdo and she likes to eat cheese sticks at room temperature. Although maybe that's like a popular thing and maybe our listeners are all going to respond. We're going to get a bunch of, you know, emails and comments saying that they're part of the room temperature cheese stick club. Oh, um, personally, I prefer my cheese stick chilled. Yeah, me too. No, I, I did a very easy one and a very delightful one over the weekend. And that was ice cream with sprinkles. So <laughs> I think I'll stop to that hoping, kind of thing. I've got that one hoping to uh, execute tonight. Yeah, so awesome. yeah, if you haven't checked that out, listeners, it's so much fun. Um, everything from hiking to uh, cat memes to listening to music and having a little mini four-minute dance party. So please check that out. Please help us celebrate Katie. She's so spectacular and so special. Um, yeah. So yeah. But they, so my other thing is, and I took your advice from the last, um, we do a weekly nonprofit call, check-in call on Wednesdays um, at, was it 9.30 in the morning? And um so at that last week's call, you were talking about becoming a poll worker. Yay. So I went ahead and um, submitted my 
um, it was like a volunteer questionnaire. And I got an email back saying that, you know, thank you, thank you. We'll reach out to you September-ish, I think, to okay. you have to do a training. Um, yes. So I'm, I hope I get a call. <laughs> I hope oh, they yeah. email me to be a poll worker because I, you know, I'm really excited about it. So looking Same. forward to that. I did that too. Um, I, you know what, you're, you're a step ahead of me. I have not gotten that return email. So I'll be looking forward to getting that. Maybe they've already, you know, knocked me out of the process and said, we just can't, we cannot with Randy at the polls. Um, so I'll keep my eyes on my email. Um, but I, I am thrilled that you did that and look forward to supporting you in that and hopefully uh, volunteering myself at the poll near my house. Awesome. Um, so the thing that I am so looking forward to, but I'm happy to say has already returned to my life is live music. Mm-hmm. It's been a long stretch without live music. Um, I mean, grateful to Taylor Swift for dropping a surprise <laughs> album on me that has made my month much more exciting. Cardigan, um, so good. So good. Yeah. <laughs> Check out floor. Um, but no, so live music is back in my life. Um, for those of you who haven't checked out Market Street in Corning is closed to traffic right now. And at each block um, in evenings, I don't think it's every night, but certainly on weekend nights, um, musicians have been hired to set up and play. So you can just stroll along and listen to music and you can be safe and masked and socially distancing and making sure that you're not taking any chances with COVID, but also bringing live music back into your life. I thought I missed it, but then as soon as I heard it, I realized I had missed it so much more oh, than I realized. Than I thought. So, um, yeah, I can't wait for more of it. Now, if you check in on your favorite local musicians on their social media feeds, they're starting to post when they'll be playing there and at other locations, you know, outdoors at the lakes and other all over the region. So, check those pages out. Don't miss out. Get live music back into your life. Um, Definitely makes a huge difference and it just can't be replaced. It really, really cannot. So I'm so grateful that our musicians are responding to the call to come out and play. Yeah. And I do, I have to, same sort of vein. Um, In the town of Elmira at Pirazzolo Park, they have I think it's Wednesdays in the park that they just started having live music again too. So um, that's a really nice way to, you know, just hang out in a park, bring your kids, play on the playground and listen to some good local music. And sometimes there's a baseball game too. So you'll find me there listening to music and watching baseball. <laughs> well, that's pretty much perfect. Add ice cream with sprinkles and oh. that sounds like pure bliss. Paradise. <laughs> Sarah, thank you for joining me today as we chatted about what being mothers brings to our work here at the Community Foundation. Um, I hope we'll hear, you know, hey, listeners out there, if you have something to add, join the conversation. Make a comment on, you know, some of our social media. You can always reach out to the Community Foundation via our website, communityfund.org. We'd love to hear what it's like right now for you as a parent who's also working. We know that these are extremely tough times, and I think we've presented some of the the silver lining or maybe some of the rosier parts of it, but we know people are struggling right now and it's a very tough time to be a working parent. Um, and we, we just want you to know that though we didn't dwell on that today, we are also experiencing those challenges in our own homes and uh, you are not alone in that. So send out a lifeline and we'll 
we'll pick that up and have a conversation and see what we can do to help. So with that, thanks you all for listening to another episode of the Good Works Podcast. Thank you.